Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and movies and TV shows of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. Nickelodeon was a wild place in 1989. The channel that began its life as Pinwheel in 1977 was the first cable network for children. Originally programmed mostly with variety and game shows geared towards and starring children, not much had changed by the late 80s. In that time, the now rebranded Nickelodeon added some animated series from the UK and Japan and some live-action comedy and drama series. Many of these new shows had already been on the air for years in other channels. But it didn't really matter. Most of them were aimed at young children. And as anyone who's raised a child will tell you, they'll watch just about anything. But Nickelodeon was looking to expand its audience to include teens. Enter 1989 and a new show about the teenage staff of a dude ranch in Arizona called Hey Dude. (laughs) Hey Dude. It's a little wild and a little strange When you make your home out on the range Start your horse and come along But you can't get it right if you can't hold on Sing it Hippie-tie-yay Hippie-tie-yay What? Like the cowboys say Sing it again now Hippie-tie-yay Get along, little dogies Till the break Watch out for those man-eating jackrabbits and that killer cacti. Hey, dude. So this week, we're looking at Hey, Dude. And Hey, Dude was a show that, uh, probably one of the earliest shows that I remember from Nickelodeon. One of the earliest, yeah. Yeah, not one of the earliest shows that was on Nickelodeon. No, but one of the earliest yeah. that I remember. Yeah, and... Because we were six at the time it came out. Yeah, right? and I believe it was in syndication for at least a little bit, because I remember watching it... I mean, maybe... Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember watching Until it. Until 1999. Damn, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been playing on Teen Nick since 2011. So it is still playing Are you on serious? TV now. I did not realize that. If you have that. the Teen Nick channel. Yes, it's still on the air. But its original air date was July 14th of 1989 through August 30th of 1991 for a total of 65 episodes spread out over five seasons. Hey Dude was an American Western comedy series produced by Nickelodeon. And it was their second original live action television series, followed, of course, by the 1984 series Out of Control. Yeah, if, as, as we sort of said in the intro, the Nickelodeon used to, when it first, when it began its life in 1977, if you go back and look at the programming lineup of Nickelodeon from 77 to about 86, it's really just a bunch of variety shows. It's it's variety Children shows. Children-related variety shows. And it's, you know, like your, uh, not necessarily this, but shows like was, Captain Kangaroo. You can't do and, this, uh, you can't do that on television. Yeah. And Mr. Wizard. Yeah. And things like of that nature. And then there were some game shows that were geared towards children. And then they started acquiring shows like... Danger Mouse and Maya the Bee and these shows that and were Count Ducula. Yeah, these shows from the UK and from Japan. This you know these these eighties and eighties and seventies anime that they were bringing over because Maya the Bee was a Japanese show. I know I watched David that show the Gnome too. also. David the Gnome was a Japanese show, wasn't it? Oh, it doesn't matter. It was an old. It was a show from somewhere that they threw on there. But it was very early nineties, uh, late eighties. Yeah, so. exactly. The show itself centers around a ranch owner, his son a female ranch hand, and four teenage summer employees. But there are two more added later. Mm-hmm. And and the Bar None Dude Ranch is where this all takes place, which is supposed to be near Tucson, Arizona. And fun fact, it was filmed actually in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons uh, that the show got canceled was because Nickelodeon opened up their Orlando headquarters and they wanted everything to be filmed in Orlando, filmed in Florida. 
and they didn't want to pay for something to be filmed off-site anymore, so they sort of shuttered this show because it was filmed so far away. There was another show that I can't remember that was also filmed off-site that ended up ending around 91 or 92 because of that same reason. The show was created by D. LaDuke. Uh, Dee LaDuke was a receptionist at Nickelodeon. Originally. When, originally. Uh, and she was one of the co-creators of Double Dare, which we might get to in a couple of weeks. Yes. Actually, what happened was uh, she was a receptionist for them, came up with the concept of Double Dare, and then got promoted within. And what happened was... She was then promoted first as a scheduler for network before becoming director of programming. And she also helped him come up with Nick, the Nick at Night format. That was her. Hey Dude was one of the things that she did. But she also uh, was a producer for movies like uh, for, for the movie Polly uh, with Polly Shore, as well as Designing Women, the TV show. And she actually did a bunch of other things. I, I don't know if she still works at Nickelodeon, but I know she was sort of a big deal at the time. Yeah, the show was written by Graham Yost, who is the son of famed Canadian broadcaster Elwi Yost. Yes, Elwi Yost. Um, he also wrote movies like Speed and Broken Arrow, Hard Rain. He co-executive produced the HBO miniseries The Pacific and The Americans. Yes, and all of that was done after this. I believe this was like his first... One of his first things? His first thing, Yeah. So the directors for this, there was actually a bunch, but the two main ones are Ross K. Bagwell and Frederick King Keller. I will say one but, thing about the directors that I read that uh, of those two directors, they had very different directing styles. And one of them was very lackadaisical and the other one was very like stern. So you can sort of tell, I think, the difference in some of the episodes when one one guy directs it and the other guy directs it because the sort of tone of the episode is different. Yes. So... This was produced by Nickelodeon, and the show itself was, as we mentioned, it was recorded on location near Tucson, but it was done at the Tonk Verde Guest Ranch, and that location still exists. You can actually stay there. It's a, it's a ranch and a hotel, and you can go there and at least see the pool. The, all the pool scenes were filmed at that facility's pool, so if you want to go and see the pool that... Melody was supposed to be the lifeguard of. That's there. And the show was produced by Cinetel Productions along with Nick. Casting began in 1988 with local auditions held in Tucson. And some of our co-stars today come from the local Tucson area. Yeah, some of the main cast, actually. Yes. Now, most of the show was shot technically on the property of Tank Verde Guest Ranch. But most of the locales that are shown all of these the sets, featured the, the featured, featured sets yeah like mr ernst's office and the bunks and all that those were buildings that were built way out in the middle of nowhere uh about a mile away actually from the main public areas and this was done so that the guests at the actual ranch wouldn't be bothered by the production of the show yeah, because and also the may I add the feel and look of the show itself is a more Western theme, whereas the look and feel of the Tank Verde Guest Ranch is more Spanish. So they wanted that more quote dude ranch look, even yeah. though it was not a real thing. Um, I was just gonna say that the uh, the Tank Verde uh, dude ranch or the Tank Verde Guest Ranch was like in operation while the show was being filmed fully it, yes. so that's why they had to make that's why they had to relocate some of the set far away because they didn't want to mm -hmm. disturb the guests and i'm sure that they didn't want the desk the guests disturbing their filming too oddly enough it's not mentioned here in the notes but i know this because i actually spent a ton of time watching all kinds of random junk about this show they did not get to stay in the hotel where they were filming at. <laughs> so they had to go stay way out in actual Tucson. I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever been to Tucson? I've been to Phoenix and I've been to Mesa and I've been to a couple other places in Arizona. Okay, you've not... missed nothing. Sorry, people of Tucson, <laughs> but you have missed nothing. I heard there's a lot of turquoise there. I've been out to Tucson. and What is that? Fort Huachuca out there? I and have no it, idea. It's a, it's a military base out there and I've been to Tombstone. And so may I just say... Uh, Tucson, not a whole lot for you. 
there at, at Tucson. I, I will also add that the uh, last time I went to a strip club was in Tucson, Arizona, and it was with my now wife, and it was the most uncomfortable experience of my life. That's a story for another day. Because but, of your wife or because of the strippers? Uh both actually uh no her and i weren't dating yet and Uh, and i didn't want to go i don't like strip clubs in particular i find them to be creepy and gross so uh i i didn't want to be there it was just uh glitter and cocoa butter everywhere and i wanted to leave smelled like cigarettes and desperation sadness but sadness the same thing um at any rate that was my 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 one time trip to tucson your tucson story yes and so they i believe stayed at the radisson there or is it the marriott at any rate they they stayed at one hotel for the first season and because it did well enough they got upgraded to a nicer hotel (laughs) which is in tucson so it can't really be all that nice um, the, the buildings itself are still there that were built for production. The bunkhouse and the main lodge and, uh, the guest lodge, all that stuff is still there, but it's mostly in a state of disrepair. I watched a walkthrough video. You know, those walkthrough videos where people go explore old abandoned places. Have you yeah. seen those? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one of like a now defunct, uh, amusement park by Disney actually that, that is in, in Florida. I saw one for that, but at any rate, a guy did that. <laughs> For this, and they walk through the buildings, and they're all falling apart and dilapidated. And you can go way out into the middle of nowhere and see them. The set itself, I, I even put the coordinates in here, uh, longitude and latitude. If you want to go look it up, you if can find it. If you want to find a GPS and, and go find it. Yeah, it's actually 15 and a half miles east of Tucson if you want to go out, explore the desert, and hopefully not die. <laughs> Uh, theme music is Dale Jarvis. And can I just say that this is the best thing about this show? It is, that, is the best thing about that, that show. Is that damned intro. Uh, it's so catchy. It is. And it's, I remember all the words. <laughs> I remembered all the before words. Before I watched it. Today. I remember all the words too. And it's, it's a, it's a theme song that I swear to God has popped into my head on and off over the last 20 years. Oh, easily. Like, you'll just be doing laundry and then... Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? While, while you're doing laundry and uh, or cooking or something else, and yeah. then all you hear is, like the cowboys say, sing it again now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> why is it such... Come a... on. Yeah. The, 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 the theme music done by Dale Jarvis, man, he did a damn good job. I, it's... It's, I'm just going to put it out there right now. It's easily the best thing about this show. It is. <laughs> no question. Uh, with that said, let's maybe get into the cast. We've got David Brisbane. Who's... Who I think is the second best thing about this show. Probably, yeah. He's yeah. actually entertaining in this show. Yeah. David Brisbane is the character Benjamin Ernst Sr., the ranch owner slash total loser. Yeah. Um, he was actually, he had a reoccurring character as Dr. Babcock on ER. He had like a 20 episode run and he was the newscaster in Forrest Gump. He was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Aaron Brockovich, West Wing, Seinfeld, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Law and Order and a bunch of other stuff. It's mostly character work, but you know. He is a character and that's that's what makes, I think that's what makes him funny. Like the stuff that he says and the way he delivers his lines and the and like he commits thank god he didn't take himself too seriously yeah he commits to it like because the character the character of uh benjamin ernst mostly called mr ernst or mr e by uh by the staff he is a new york or he's a new york accountant who is recently divorced in the pilot episode and Moves across the country and buys a dude ranch because he feels like he needs a change from the the rat race of New York. I think we should maybe discuss his marital status and his age because he's this is easily post-divorce and this is easily midlife crisis. Oh yeah, 100%. So his he's... wife and him have split. He is now a, a recent or semi-recent divorcee mm-hmm. who is wealthy enough to be able to just buy a dude ranch in the middle of the desert and move there for no good reason. Yep. And he's midlife crisising hard because he has no experience at nope. all dude ranching. He has no experience, any cowboy or anything. And he buys like the outfit to try and fit in. And he's 
uncomfortable and he doesn't know what he's doing. He looks just like Marty McFly in uh, Back to the Future 3. Yes! <laughs> yes, it's the same outfit. Almost, except the he's not wearing the peach-colored shirt. It's, yeah. the, it's the, the bluish the red br- ones. Yeah, the, but the super blue and the super red Same shirts. thing, yeah. Now, Brad is the next character, Bradley Taylor, and if you think Bradley's gonna be a boy, you would be wrong. You are absolutely wrong. Because it's played by Kelly Brown, I'll go, although I guess Kelly is a male feminine name she is a writing instructor from a rich gross point michigan family she shows up in a limousine for her first day at work and she's got she i think she, in the first episode she's wearing like a she doesn't have like shoulder pads but it's a very it's big a designing outfit. women type outfit yeah 100 like percent big shoulder padded thing yeah this is her only acting role and she currently lives in montauk new york with her husband and owns and runs three businesses one of which is a toy store and then the other is a is a boutique i don't know why i wrote toy story but but i did and so you I'm, just you were you were I'm hoping, gonna out myself you were hoping for a better show brad's brad's character is interesting because she's a little stuck up because she's rich and she i feel like it's safe to say that she occupies the role of the babe on in this show, see, I would argue that that it was like a dual babe because I, I don't know. As a kid, I had a crush on the both of them. Well, because because if you if you and we can talk about we can talk about the other character we're talking about in a second. But if you look at you look at uh, at Brad's character, she's sort of that like smoldering, sexy type of babe, and the other girl in the show is more of the sort of like bubbly happy. You know, wants to make everybody wants to make sure everyone gets along type right. of type of babe you know uh, a fun side note again not on the notes but as i mentioned i read way too much about the show she was older than all the other kids on the cast she was actually uh, i believe like a college student so she was long since graduated from high school but all the other kids were still in high school so they all had to do school on set with tutors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And while while the show was going through production and filming on the off days or when they weren't filming and the kids were studying, she got to sit out and lounge by the pool. And so all the other kids were jealous of her because she had no responsibilities. So for her, <laughs> this was like hang out and tan and, and do nothing yeah. and hang out at the pool and have fun. And then they're all stuck inside studying. It was a inter- not an interview. It was like a reunion video that i saw with her and and some of the other cast members that i watched yeah because all the all the the kids quote unquote in this show they're like teenagers. they're supposed to be teenagers who are working at this dude ranch over the summer right you know they're all supposed to be around 15 to 17 or 18 maybe odd little side note i believe that this entire show it, the entire 65 episodes although it went from 89 to 91 the entire show is supposed to take place over a single summer. What is this, Phineas and Ferb? Yes, basically. <laughs> so it's all supposed to take place over a single summer. And one of the characters leaves the show because he has to go to summer school. But then he finishes summer school and comes back. That's how they do it. But he was gone for a year's worth of episodes. An entire season worth because he went to go do something else. Damn. And so that was the way that they sort of, quote, explained it away. But it... I mean, it was filmed five seasons over three years, and it's all supposed to take place over a single three-month period, which is kind of crazy yeah. when you think about it. Uh, the next character is Lucy, who is played by Deborah Coleman, and uh, Lucy is the sort of second-in-command at the ranch. She is the rugged ranch hand. Yeah, the rugged ranch hand who who takes care of the horses and breaks in new horses and helps Mister Ernst. Uh, um, do with purchases of, of supplies and all kinds of stuff. She's like the she is the de facto second in command. She is played by uh, Deborah Coleman, as I said, and uh, she's she, had some minor roles more recently, but she had a long time off from acting because she was a high school English teacher for like twenty plus years. Yeah, I and could... she retired in twenty fourteen, I think. And her husband, again, not in the notes, right? Mm-hmm. Her husband then. Uh, decided to open up a restaurant and uh, so she s- helped support him with that and she went back into acting. Uh, I think mostly it's just for fun because she's retired. Hmm. Don't ask. Th- I, I spent too much time you on this. You did spend too You're much welcome, time. You're welcome, okay? Uh, the next character is Ted McGriff who's played by David Lasher and Ted is arguably the main character. I would argue so too, yeah. Even though he leaves for an entire season? Well, if you look the first opening shot of the show is him arriving 
to hey dude to the dude ranch yeah so it it's like we are introduced to him first and foremost and the camera in the first episode the camera works shoddy at best but it follows him around him and what he does and almost the, no scene exists without him yeah they gradually i mean he's in every episode where he's a where he's like barring the year that he's gone he's in every episode where he's working there uh yeah. and he uh ted mcgriff the character is the senior staff uh that's how he that's how he he's describes supposed himself to be the one that's like not a kid yeah he's he's in charge of or at least he thinks he's in charge of everyone else and the character is kind of a jerk i have to say he is lazy and he's a jerk to his employer and to his co-workers. Uh, there's one episode that we watched where it was the lowest rated episode that we watched where he gets put in charge because Mr. Ernst has to go away from the ranch to go do something to go buy horses, I think. And he puts he ends up putting Ted in charge due to a flip of a coin and he turns into a tyrannical Overlord. authoritarian uh, like uh, yeah, dictator. Yeah, he starts turning. He starts uh issuing citations and to demerits and, and, demerits and gold stars and uh he creates a, re uh, a rebellion amongst the other employees of the dude ranch yeah there's a full-on a full-on like shaves rebellion at the yeah. dude ranch and i feel like that's probably why it's one of the lowest or the lowest rated episode in this in the entire series because up until that point in in the ep other episodes that we watched he's kind of a jerk but he's mostly just lazy he's like sort of like the lovable idiot yeah he's, he's mostly just lazy like he forgets to do stuff he's really full of himself but he's not over overtly but offensive. it's like he always like means well yeah or but whatever in, but in the in the episode i think it was called uh uh inmates run the asylum or something in that episode he turns into a complete jerk and he mistreats his friends and he he loses his mind essentially because he goes mad with power, and like it, it's a complete character shift from what you're used to. Yeah, I mean, it is, but but it was also done in a way that just made him seem so ridiculous. Yeah, it was almost like he was hit with a fever dream temporarily. Yeah, and then he snapped out of it when Mister Ernst comes back. It's very odd. Yeah, that character, by the way, is played by David Lasher, who. Uh, I think is best known for his roles on Blossom and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, he was also in Clueless in the 1994 Mickey Mouse Club season. And he was on Beverly Hills 90210. When he left the show, he left for a show called A Family for Joe. And we were talking about it before we recorded, right? Yeah. The, the premise of the show is weird. It's a family it's, of... It's absolutely insane. It's a family of orphans who convince a homeless guy to pretend to be their grandfather so that they can all stay together and not get split up and sent to orphanages. And it had some big names. It, it was Juliette Lewis was, was in it and Fred Savage. Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. And the show lasted nine, nine episodes and then they canceled it. <laughs> and then he came back to Hey Dude and they just wrote it off as, oh, he went to summer school and now he's done with summer school and he came back. Yeah, it's it, it was it was it's very weird. Uh, odd side note: the one of the lead staff writers for that series was actually Philip Rosenthal, one of the creators of Everybody Loves Raymond. So, oh, good times. Uh, so we all got to start somewhere, right? Uh, yeah. Anyways, so the next character that we have here, it's not even arguably she is the most famous person from this show. Yeah, no question. And it's Melody Hansen. That's the character. She's a lifeguard and dance instructor from Allentown, PA. And it's played by Christine Taylor, uh, current... Uh, wife? Of... Uh, slash estranged wife of oh, yeah. Ben Stiller. So she's an actress herself. And this was her first role. And after this, I, I believe in the in the mid-90s, she was sort of well-known for the Brady Bunch movies. Or, mm -hmm. I, those are a really interesting set of films where it's like they took the characters of the Brady Bunch and they pick them up from the 1960s mm -hmm. as if they never changed that wholesome set of family dynamic yeah. is sort of picked up and dropped off in the, 90s. In the 1990s. And... The entire world around them is the 1990s, but they 
truly live in the 1970s. Devices from the 1970s, their car, their house, everything from the 70s, their language, their brains are like operate from the 60s and the 70s. It's it's a very we- I mean, it's super weird. And and I think it would be something really fun for us to watch cuz the, the movies themselves rem- are rather clever meta. <laughs> yeah. But she was Marsha Brady in those and 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 also the sequel. And and she was on she was one of Seinfeld's girlfriends in Seinfeld. She had many episodes that she was on for Ellen back in the early 90s. And she was in a couple episodes of Friends. If you watch Friends, she was the girlfriend, I believe, of Ross, who uh, was a swimmer and shaved her head. Mm. She she uh, Her character on Friends used to shave her head in high school for swimming. And Rachel was jealous because she still liked Ross. So she convinced this character to shave her head. And then Ross broke up with her because uh, she was shaving her head and it was, she was wearing like a bald wig. It's very weird. She was on Arrested Development. My name is Earl. And then she met Ben Stiller and they got married in 2000. I wanted to mention when they met, when they met because they met on the pilot of a TV show called Heat Vision and Jack. And it's only a single episode, but it looks bad. It just, it looks crazy. It's, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub, who wrote for it, and it was directed by Ben Stiller, and it starred Jack Black, Owen Wilson, and Ron Silver. This looks like a joke show. It looks like a just. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. It's it Jack starts, Black as Jack Austin, a former astronaut. He was exposed to inappropriate levels of solar energy, giving him super intelligence. He appears to lose this intelligence at night, requiring only Earth normal levels of daylight to reactivate it. His catchphrases are. I know everything, and knowledge is power. For real. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Me, I, I, I never saw this before. I didn't know this existed. I'm really excited to go home and watch it after this. Because I found this like late last night, like 1 o'clock in the morning, while I was finishing up some notes for the show, um, and doing some farming. And, and Christine Taylor as yeah. the sheriff. So she was in it, and so that's how they met, was, was on the set of this. And uh, yeah, I thought it was just super nuts. So they they went on to work together. She was in Zoolander and Dodgeball and Tropic Thunder, Kirby Enthusiasm and Zoolander 2. I guess they're currently estranged via something in 2017. Yeah. The next character is probably the most interesting. Uh, and that the char- character itself as well as the actor. Yeah. So the character is Danny Lightfoot, uh, who is a Hopi Native American. And he is played by Joe Torres. And Joe Torres, this was his first role and his only role. He doesn't even have an IMDb, right? It's just... Uh, well, he does technically... It's just, and it's just listed? Because oh, anybody can create an IMDb for anybody, I think. Yeah, I mean, anybody technically can. So here's the thing. He was in this show and nobody knows what happened to him afterwards. Around 2004, there was some sort of unreported unconfirmed reports that Joe Torres, the actor who played Danny had passed away from liver failure. It went unconfirmed forever, but there were some other sort of, um, side theories. One of which that is a little bit ridiculous. And and that was that he was a, uh, a car salesman at a Toyota dealership in Runa made New Jersey mm-hmm. and any links on their website showing that are now long since gone. And then I found a blog on Tumblr of all places called 99 red blooms. And they have an article of, or a thing that he wrote about it. And he actually contacted the world famous golden nugget tavern in tucson arizona because it was sort of there were rumblings via the internet that joe torres jose torres would hang out there Mm -hmm. so he contacted this bar and to see if they could find anything about it and he got an email back from a guy named tim donaldson from the golden nugget who apparently worked there saying that Joe is alive and well, thanked him for his message and said he would pass it along. So he's alive, question mark, but no knowledge outside of that. So I went out and tried to find more information. There's a lot of conflicting stuff. Again, some stuff saying he died of liver failure. Some stuff saying he, yes, sells cars in New Jersey. And another one saying he's 
alive in Tucson. I found a couple of Facebook profiles, one of which sort of looks like him showing him maybe living in Jalisco in Mexico, but being from Tucson and another one showing him still living there, but without a profile picture. It's yeah, there's a, it's, I spent too much time, too much time going down this damned rabbit hole about Joe Torres. So Joe Torres, if you exist, just let the world know you exist because there's a lot of people wondering about if you still exist. Yeah, and and you mentioned you mentioned Tucson. Joe Torres was one of the of uh, the cast that was picked up in Tucson from the local talent hunt. Yes, uh, and this, like I said, this was his first role, and it is painfully apparent because he is arguably the worst actor on the See, show. I felt like he was not the worst. I felt like he was definitely the worst. So he oh was just no, like, I felt like he, in some of the, in some of the ways that he delivers his lines, he's just like, Oh, Hey Ted, what's going oh, like, you know, I felt like, like that was just the delivery of everyone on the show. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, you like, I'm not saying that the characters were good because they weren't, but definitely they, I don't know. It just his his delivery just sounded terrible to me. It was it was so bad and like so bland. It's like they just grabbed a guy off the street that morning. They're just and, like, oh, he's brown. Let's make him a let's make him a engine. Slap it's a headdress so, on him. Yeah. It, it, there that, was an episode. There was an episode we watched. Oh, where, where they talk about making uh, tack bread or whatever. Oh no! It was um yeah it was uh, fry bread fry bread thank that, you because he's hopey yeah but, and then and then he tells he brings some for Ted and Ted's like oh did you tell your grandma how to make it my way and he's like oh yeah put a little tomato sauce and some cheese on it it tastes just like a pizza but no I'm talking about the in uh, the murder he wrote episode where they dress him up in like a in like a cigar Not shop Indian okay. <laughs> they dress him up in a cigar shop Indian outfit oh <laughs> man with the war paint and everything it was like. Oh, it's a different time. That yeah. could never happen never. today. Never, ever, ever. And I feel like at the time it was made, it probably should have been, it shouldn't have happened at yeah. all. But it did. And there's a lot of stuff like with his character where uh, they, there's like an episode we didn't get to watch with uh, rain dancing. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, it's, he, it's, fills, he fills the role as as the like spirit Burger King kids club yeah, brown guy spirit guide and, it's, and yeah it's very blatant that that's like his supposed to be his role and I feel like it's sort of a shame too because his character is a lot more interesting like he he can draw and he's got uh, some other talents and his interactions with the character seems to be he seems to be the more impish puck type character yeah like he sort of knows that Ted is an idiot mm-hmm. and he is sort of aware of the roles that the other characters play. He seems to be in it more for the mischief than anything else. Yeah. And I mean, it's a summer job. Yeah. It's a summer job. So it's like, you know, let's have fun with it. Yeah. The, uh, there, the next two characters come in later on in the seasons and they play relatively minor roles. Uh, at least the first one does. Uh, Jeffrey Coy is plays Kyle Chandler who is uh, Lucy's ex-boyfriend's son. Uh, Welcome his, to Jerry Springer. Yeah, it's his only <laughs> It's his only acting credit. This is uh, Jeffrey Coy's only acting credit. And Kyle, as a character, exists to be a romantic rival for Ted. For, for, for Brad. For Brad, yeah. Because there, there is a romantic triangle. There is of, an episode, by the way, where where Kyle and Brad go on a date and Ted is jealous. So he asks Melody out on a date and they go on a double date. We didn't watch that episode, but that exists. And I, and I can only imagine how awkward that must've been. I, I feel like, did okay. Did you watch mash? Yes. Okay. So one thing that I never understood about mash, uh, in terms of the story in the TV show is how Hawkeye and Trapper and later just Hawkeye end up going on quote unquote dates with all the nurses or most of the nurses at the hospital and like their dates were essentially them going into the supply hut and getting drunk and banging. Like that's what their dates were. But yeah, like, and I never understood how they could keep going on dates because there is a limited pool of people at that, at that mash unit. And all the nurses work together. So you think if you go out with nurse A and you take her to the, to the supply hut and you bang her and then you're like, okay, bye. And then you start going out with nurse B that nurse A and nurse B aren't going to talk and be like, hey, 
he's just going to bang you and drop you and go on to Nurse C. Like, they're going on dates. Like, well, Kyle see, goes on a date with Brad, and then Ted goes on a date with, with uh, Melody. Those are the only two girls at the ranch, as far as we know. It's, hey, you know, do you remember back... Well, I'll, I'll, I feel like both are sort of separate. So the MASH one is like, you're in a place... Where the the pickings are slim, mm-hmm. uh, and in that case, you're an adult in a war zone, and uh, you just want to bang. Yeah, and and so that's that's what happened in the case of Hey Dude. I felt like horny teenagers, horny teenagers. Uh, okay, so I'll use this as an example. When I was in junior high school, I was asked uh, less than politely uh, to leave and not come back to a Christian camp um, for doing things that I wasn't supposed. <laughs> to do um, breaking things or setting them on fire or whatever. Uh, doing uh, mischief. My my puckish nature got the better of me and I was asked to leave. My parents had to come and pick me up, which was a four hour drive to come and get me up in the mountains. I bet that I bet that ride home was fun. No, because they were on vacation already someplace else. So they had to come and pick me up and then we drove to where they were on vacation and then I spent the next like week and a half on vacation with them doing vacationary stuff. On that trip i happened when not at summer camp but at the campground there was a lot of kids our age and the pickings were rather slim and you would just have a crush on somebody because oh, you su- had a crush on them a summer crush like and yeah like and when so it was a summer crush and you, you had go your on summer to like girlfriend a... for like four days yeah and then you break up and then you go out with her friend and like it was dumb and and all you did was just go make out by the pool but i feel like that's sort of what this was yeah it is it was like you had no options. You live in a world where your hormones are out of control and you're just willing to get with anything. I mean, it could be like an old dead shoe. And like, that and, horse is looking pretty good. Yeah, it's like, well, hey, you know, those dockers, mm, well, I don't know. Yeah, what are you doing, Lucy? I don't, if, well, hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that, that wasn't like a plot point for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> A little, a little, uh, what is it? Uh, Nolf action? I don't no, no, no. What, what's that? What's it called? A uh, May-December romance? Oh, <laughs> God. We're old. <laughs> yeah. The next, so, the next character is uh, Jake Deckert, who is Mr. Ernst's nephew from Los Angeles. And when he's played by Jonathan Galkin, and I... He I, comes late on the show. Yeah, I believe it's when, it, it's, is it when Ted goes off to, uh, you know, summer school? He needs some extra help, so he calls his nephew in. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was like when when Ted leaves. Yeah, Ted leaves, so they call in, they call in Jake and Kyle. Which is season three, basically. And Jake, as a character, is fairly background and bland, and he doesn't do, do a whole lot. At least in the hardly episode. anything. Yeah, he's just sort of there, and he's he's very he's very uptight and nervous, and uh, I don't know. It's just like he's a filler character. Side note. After the show, he co-founded DFA Records. If you are familiar with them, that that's him. Hmm. And DFA Records, they they actually are a record label for a bunch of uh, rather successful indie artists. So, yeah. Benjamin Buddy Ernest Jr. or just Buddy is the last character that we're going to talk about. Is Mr. Ernst's son, and he uh, is played by Josh Teagle. And Teagle was one of 120 Tucson area boys who auditioned for the for the role. And this apparently was his only acting credit. And he then, uh, in an interview that I watched, I found out, went on to become a writer and editor for a due diligence investment firm in Portland. So he lives up there with his family. Interesting. Cool. The character of Buddy is, I think, supposed to be like 13 or 14. Buddy's character is, uh, he's Mr. Ernst's son. He's terrified of becoming his father. In one episode, he's afraid that he's, become clumsy like his father and he's losing his eyesight and his hair and everything. I thought this was a very introspective episode. It was. And by the end of the episode, he, he actually does become like his father, but in all the good ways, like he's a good businessman. He knows how to treat people and all this other stuff. And he, it's like, he's sort of okay with it. And he's so it's like in the beginning of that episode, he is terrified of becoming his dad. That's actually a, a nightmare that he has. Mm-hmm. So he decides to go out of his way to not be his dad. And slowly over time, he has to. That is the episode, actually, with the Ted Rebellion. Yeah. I believe. And basically, to make the Dude Ranch run, he has to become his dad because nobody else is going to do it. Yeah, they're all fighting amongst Somebody him, so. has to be the adult, and here it's going to be the 13-year-old kid. Yeah, I think he. I think at some point he realizes that 
uh, that the dude ranch is his legacy too. So if it fails, then he goes under with it. With like, well, he dad. makes a joke about like this. This place is going to send me to college. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I wanted maybe we could talk about that for a second. I I thought that the introspection of that particular episode for me it was like a very it was a very real thing for me. A very uh, special episode. Well, you know, like I lost my dad a couple years ago, and and when when my dad was alive, I had a lot of these. I think I think all guys and and girls too. We all have these things where we look at our parents and we go, "I don't want to be my dad" or "I don't want to be my mom," mm-hmm. right? And and you're like, "Whatever I can do to not." And you you go out of your way, like you'll intentionally sleep on the wrong side of the bed or the other side of the bed, just to not be that parent, whichever parent it is that you sort of self identify yeah. with. And you'll go out of your way for that. Uh, you intentionally wear your belt backwards. It's like all these like things that you do. I mean, these are things I did. Mm-hmm. I went out of my way to do that because, you know, at a certain point, I, I saw things that my dad did that I didn't like. Uh, my dad was a great guy, but there were things about that my dad did that were not perfect. And, you know, you always want to be better. And so you intentionally change these other things because you think if I change these things, the bigger things will change by osmosis. And mm-hmm. it's like the older I've gotten the more I realize I have very little control over some of those. And there's a lot of good that you absorb from your parents. And there's a lot of bad that you absorb from your parents, but that as long as you're cognizant of it and you realize it and you come to terms with it, you can better deal with it. And his character in this actually did that. And I thought that was a really clever way to write that episode because there's not a lot of, like deep introspection there's in not a this lot of show. Deep, there's not a lot of deep anything. So let alone for shows of its time. I just I I know that that's sort of a side thing, but I really appreciated that moment. It was a small one. It was very fleeting, but I really appreciated it. I really did. So what you're saying is you have to take the good, but then also take the bad. Because if you take them both, then you have the facts of life. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. That's all I could think about when you were Tim. The facts of life. Yeah. So let's dive into what the show is actually about. I mean, it's it's fairly simple. It's an episodic show that follows the daily life of a team of people who staff a dude ranch in Arizona. And th- some of some of the times it's interactions. Well, actually, most of the time it's it's the show is about the interactions between the characters, and sometimes it's about them trying to like overcome some obstacle, but Overall, it's more like a character-driven show, which I think is part of the reason that this show... I want to say that it doesn't work, but I mean, it was on for five seasons. But the characterization of the of the characters is just not very good. And it's, it's almost like the entire show is populated with cardboard cutouts of characters. Yeah, of non-humans. Yeah, or people who are playing at being human, you know, and and it's almost like if you told an alien what humans were like, but they had no no sort of frame of reference, and then you showed them what we look like, and they made themselves look like human, and then put them on Earth and said, "Now do this," and they go bloop bloop bloop, and then they try to. It, it's it's very weird. You know what? It, you know what it reminds me of. You've seen Cabin in the Woods, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. so in Cabin of the Woods is uh, is uh, I mean it's been out forever so no spoiler alerts but you know how they have in Cabin in the Woods you have the characters they're trying to get the characters in the movie to assume the archetypes of horror movies. You got the jock and the brain and the slut and the virgin and the stoner or the the fool or whatever. So I feel like that's what they tried to do with this show. They had they had all these different characters and they just sort of wanted to mush them into those roles. So you had Brad, who was the brain, I want to say. You have Ted, who's the jock. You have, or she's like the beauty. Brad is the beauty. Ted is the jock. You have Melody, who is the virgin, because she's really nice and sweet. Uh, you've got, you know, other characters that just sort of fill generic roles. They're like, that's who they are rather than who their character is. Like, Ted is a jerk. And he's full of himself and he is like the attractive one and whatever. But they're not real people. No, they're not. They, they, the, the characterization doesn't go any farther than what their character is. You don't find out anything about them. You don't find out, like, you know that Brad is rich, but you don't get any other really good information about her character. You know that, uh, you know that Danny is supposed to be a Hopi, 
but you don't get you don't get a whole lot of information about him as a character other than what you already know in that he is a Hopi. Right. And and I I'm glad that you brought this up because there's a really great AV article that I read covering this show. And one of the just I'm not going to read it because, you know, I'm not going to read an article on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a there's a quote that I wanted to pull out of this that it's it's sort of geared towards what you're talking about. And the quote is for all the time they, as in the viewers, spent with them being the cast, viewers didn't really get to know Hey Dude's characters, most likely because there wasn't that much to know. Yeah, they were and there very, really isn't. They're very shallow characters. And maybe that's why I gravitated toward Mr. Ernst the most. Because he's the most that looks like a real person? Yeah, I mean, he, he gives you a little... He gives you character. He doesn't just give you... Uh, I mean, he is a a bumbling, stumbling kind of guy. He gives you a little bit more character to his character. You find out a little bit more about him. You at least feel like he's more real, that he has more depth than the other characters. You like him more. At least I liked him more. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I remember not liking his character at all. But as an adult, I find him to be the only one of sub- of any kind of substance. Mm-hmm. So there's something that I had read about this show and and it doesn't it applies to this show and and the quote was actually used to apply to a, a different uh piece of entertainment but the quote was the film didn't change I did and and in this case the t- the show didn't change but I did. The show is not any different today than it was then but I'm I'm a 35 year old adult with a family and this show does nothing for me within that frame of reference now when you were younger did you like the show i did i like the show and i and i think i enjoyed it because of the idea that there's kids essentially left to their own devices all summer long and i thought man that seems really fun and cool and and i really sort of self-identified in a wish fulfillment sort of way with that lifestyle, but going back and watching it, that wasn't even the case. They were still supervised by adults, and they they were just uh, the characters were just sort of bland. Yeah, when you're and, and that's the thing is, I think when you're when you're a young kid, and and we talk about this a lot with with other shows, is when you're a young kid, you don't need characters with a lot of depth. When you're when you are 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 young, I mean, think about the think about the entertainment that we give kids when they are young, say age five to ten. Uh, the books that they read are not super complicated. They don't have super developed plots and intricate characters and whatnot. You start to get that really when you start moving into middle school and you start reading those books that we all had to read in middle school, like Where the Red Fern Grows and and uh, The Giver and you know, you get books with more depth, but you don't need that when you're gearing your show or your or your entertainment, your whatever it is. If you're gearing to it like to like a nine year old, yeah, and you have to. You, I I guess you would have to imagine that Nickelodeon up till this point had probably the all the shows that they had created, the original shows that they had created, the original network shows. They had been shows that probably didn't have a whole lot of depth. They were they were variety shows. They were game shows. You didn't have to have a lot of depth. You just had to have something that was entertaining for twenty two. Well, minutes. and to be fair, this is sort of their first foray into this idea. Yeah. So, and then there were other ones later that that they did a lot better. They well, from what we remember, they did better. We yeah. don't know yet. We're actually uh, maybe going to explore that soon. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. Next couple episodes, we're going to take a look at uh, early Nick, or at least early Nick for us, Nickelodeon. Yeah, we were thinking of kind of doing a, a deep dive into some of those retrospective. Yeah, but ultimately, I think that this show, this show is like a. Can I can I just mention really quickly, not to sidetrack you here, but there's no merchandise for this, by the way. There I, is not. I looked. But it'd be very easy to get a shirt printed up via Pinterest or something. Yeah, and there is no video game. But I also wanted to just mention how amazingly awful that would be. Yeah, I <laughs> Can you imagine a video game for this? I don't even know what you would do. I don't even know what you would do in that video game. Like, because 
The, the it'd thing- be a side scroll because I'm thinking of the time frame that it came out in. It'd be a side scrolling game, sort of like the Home Alone game was or Home but, Improvement game was. But I'm trying to think like you never see, at least in those. Well, the Home Improvement actually would be a good example of of making something out of nothing because <laughs> you you rarely in the show see them doing things that aren't just them interacting with each other. You rarely see them doing anything of a physical nature. At yeah, all. like there's a couple of scenes that are incidental where you see them like moving something from here to there, or holding a tool, or, or riding something. on a horse, or, or yeah, something. or riding on a horse. But ultimately, you don't ever see them doing anything. Any of the stuff that you would expect a teenager who works at a dude ranch to be doing—feeding animals, you know, doing doing uh, classes, or you know, leading instruction with the guests, or or doing anything like that. So maybe like a tool time thing would make sense. At least in maybe. the tool time one, they are in the home improvement one. They uh, they they did it in the context of a TV studio because tool time was a TV show. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like, can you just imagine how terrible that would be? I can imagine it like like this, like you almost like a Mega Man style adventure where you not like Mega Man the game, but like where you pick a character and then you do something based on that character. Like if it was Melody, you had to do something involving swimming. If it was Brad, you had to do like a horse riding thing where you jump over shit. If it was Danny, you had to be really stereotypical and like go, hi, yeah, 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 hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something super racist, yeah. Yeah, something super racist you can only find in an early 90s Nintendo game. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'd play that so hard. I would play it too. I to- will say the, the four episodes that we watched were Ghost Story Season 2, Episode 6, Inmates Run the Asylum Season 3, Episode 1, Day 1 at the Bar None Season 1, Episode 1, and Murder He Wrote Season 4, Episode 13. And of those, the Ghost Story episode, which is the highest rated, was the best episode. But that's like best episode of what? Yeah, and you have to you have to understand if you haven't watched this show in a long time, the acting is bad. It's not great. Not you know, at all. Watching this show can I just say watching this show was a total bummer for me, man. Yeah, it was like not to not to bring out my my outer like beachy California, but it was a total bummer, man. Like it was the, the thing is, I don't remember. I remember the show, but man, I do not remember a single episode. Well, I didn't either. Before. It was all a feeling for me. Yeah, I, it, but it was I remember a good feeling. Li- it was a good feeling, and I liked it. And now I don't, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, it. It's a show it's that... like somebody ripped my rose-colored glasses, threw them in the street, and drove over it with a bus. Yeah, it, it's a show that can really, I think, have only existed in the time that it was made. <sighs> and yeah. and it was it was a network, it was it was indicative of a network that was trying something new, but didn't want to spend a whole lot of money on it. And also didn't know what to do either. And I here's the other thing. Because I thought, why why is this an old west sort of like dude ranch theme? Because at the time, in 89, Westerns were not popular at all. And there was no demand for them at all. And there hasn't been ever since the show came out. But then I started thinking, what was the age of the writer? So this came out in 89. So the writers were probably in their 30s in 89. So go back 20 years. Okay. Yeah. And we get into the 60s. When westerns were a big deal. Yeah. Westerns were a big deal in the 50s and the 60s. So if you're 30, 40 years old growing up in the 50s and the 60s and you've got Gunsmoke on TV, you're going back to what would I have loved as a kid is Howdy Doody and Westerns. And they decided, I think, in some ways to reenact their childhood quote for today back in 1989. But it doesn't work because kids in 1989 were into what kids of the 50s were into. Yeah. Just like sort of what we do and we go back and we show like my kids some of the stuff that we watch and she like she didn't care. Yeah. And we think oh kids these days and you know all that is is it's just a product of us getting old. Yeah. That's really all it is. You know to me I was thinking The shows didn't change we did. Uh, that is true. <laughs> to me though I thought that it was more like the western setting was it had so little to do with the show. In my mind, because the show wasn't about the ranch so much as it was about the, the characters at the ranch. At the ranch, the ranches are sort of incidental to the the, the characters. It just was a, it was a setting. It was and, always uh, the sort of back. It was like the background to propel the story. Yeah, you know, so that oh, the horses got out. Stories yeah. with the whatever the horses got out or the the local native tribe is mad about water rights or something. Yeah, it's. 
it you're right it didn't in some ways have much to do with the episodes but there it was like it was always sort of entangled yeah i I showed this to eleanor by the way she she liked the ghost story episode that was the first one that we watched and then as soon as that was over, she's like, I'm done. I don't want to watch anymore. Yeah, I don't. And I couldn't, I couldn't hold her attention. I don't so. see. And, and that's the thing is, is this show was designed to appeal to like what we now call tweens and teens, like young teens. This was a show that was directed at like your 12 to 14 year olds, I want to say, because it dealt with it dealt with older kids and it was live action. So I don't think your your standard Four and a half year old. Yeah. Of mine would, would enjoy Nickelodeon it. Nickelodeon yeah. had Nickelodeon had preschool aimed shows and it had child aimed shows like young like younger but not preschool like you got your your two to four two to five and then your six to ten and they didn't really have a whole lot of stuff that was for anything after ten it's like mr rogers and then gi joe there's nothing for like junior high kids yeah and that's what this show tried to be and that's why i think like and, they, but it did open the door. It did. It opened the door to shows a, like Pete and Pete. Which that's the one I'm most excited to cover because Should, I feel I remember it being the smartest written. Yeah. But I don't know if that's actually true or not. Yeah. Other shows like Clarissa Explains It All. Uh, Salute Your Shorts. Salute Your Shorts. And, and plenty of other shows from the early 90s of, of uh, Nickelodeon that went on to actually be halfway decent. You know, this was a learning curve for, for Nickelodeon, I think. And... I think it was in terms of in terms of that. I think it was a benefit. I mean, aside from Christine Taylor, no one from this show really went on. Well, I guess uh, uh, the the guy who played Mister Ernst went on to do a few things, but no one really went on to do anything huge. Yeah, it's just her, and that was it. Yeah, and I, at the time, it was a good show because it was unique, and it was the only thing like it. Yeah, it was unique. It was, and it was the only thing for your twelve to fifteen year old, twelve to fourteen, fifteen year old kids that was directed right at them uh that was trying to be like a drama comedy for them with with dating and with it was like a sitcom but since then we've had so many hannah montanas and everything else that it feels tired and old and and because because what it did it didn't do well because it was the first time anyone had tried to do it yeah and and again i'm not saying that the show is bad it's just not great it's just not great and it's a shame. And it doesn't it doesn't help that the show's quality is difficult to it's difficult to find good quality versions of the show. There is DVD copies out there. I didn't buy it for this, but but they do exist out there somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes if you're watching on on the channel I I mentioned earlier, you can record it on your DVR if you still pay for cable, which I don't. But anything that you find online is like pulled from a VHS that was recorded off a of television. Oh yeah, it's really bad. It's bad. You get you get like bad sound. You get you get bad just like tracking and. Uh, but ultimately, man, don't go back and watch it. If you liked it, if you remember it, and if, if you remember do it, it, yeah, don't go back and watch it because you I'm will be, sad that I did. You'll be I knew mass- it was going to have to happen. Yeah, at some you'll, point. you'll be massively disappointed. This is one of the ones that, that's made me the saddest because mm. I love the show as a kid. I had so many fond memories, and it's just poof, all gone. Yeah, it does hold a place though. Uh, it does. It did serve a purpose, and that purpose was to allow other shows to do it better. Yeah, to to uh, to plow the way for better shows to come along that are similarly directed. But uh, definitely wouldn't recommend a remake. No, uh, definitely actually would not recommend a rewatch. Just go watch the intro. That's all you need. Yeah, you can do that on YouTube. You don't watch, need to watch the intro. You know, and and get that out of your system, <laughs> and then move on. Yeah, and they'll be stuck in your head for four days, and then you'll hate us. For and it. then you'll remember it like like I did. You know, over the course of the next two years, I was it'll pop into your head while you're sitting on the stuck toilet in or, traffic. Yes, sitting on the ninety one, and yeah. then exactly. Well, like we said a little bit earlier, we are going to be looking at a couple other Nickelodeon early shows. Some of the ones that I mentioned, you will see in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited to tackle them. I'm also a little terrified that they aren't as good as I remember, just like Hey Dude turned out to be. Yeah, we have... Uh, oh, gosh. I, I So, I'm I'm going to be going out of town uh, for almost the whole month of July. So, we're, we, we decided to try and plan some stuff. We've got 100, 100th episode coming up in August, I think, and some other stuff. So, we're, we're trying to sort of... Do some logistics and get ahead again. So, you know, we we have the next, I think, 10 or 12 episodes all planned out. And we're going to do sort of a, a dive down memory lane uh, 
into this sort of category for a while mm-hmm. uh, because we haven't really covered anything like this and it's it's been sort of interesting and and I want to cover more of it and then we might take a break and go the game shower up yeah so we'll see how that goes so uh, we're, we're gonna be take, taking a short break uh, for a little while from cartoons and animated stuff but we'll come back yeah we promise promise if there's enough demand we will just uh, nix this early I guess but but we're gonna be sort of working on it so. Yeah, so if you like the show, if you want to check us out on social media, talk to us, uh, say hi, how you doing? Uh, check out our website, childhoodremaster.com. It's got a link to all of our social media. Uh, we can uh, You can send us an email. You can go you, to the tweeters. You can uh, get the tweeters. You can uh, send us an old-timey email. You can send us a voicemail if you want. There's a phone number up there. You can mm-hmm. send us a voicemail. Facebook uh, tends to be where we get most of our interaction, but you can contact us wherever you want. And we are currently part of the ACPN network at acpnet.net. Yep. And you can find us over there. We want to thank uh, John, John Howarth for our music. Yep. The song is called Nascent. You can find a link to it on our music page on our website, childhoodremaster.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, dude. Hey, 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 dude. Hey, dude. Don't be afraid. Don't make me sad. (laughs) Too late. It's too late. You made it awkward. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll do it this week. And thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time.